welcome to today's episode of Drivers. First calls look into the most important trends in the golf industry and the individuals setting them. I'm David Klein, along with John Last of Sports and Leisure Research Group, and we've really been looking forward to today's episode. We're entering the peak of the golf season as courses in temperate regions are opening for play. The folks that have always been able to pack a lot of golf into a relatively short season are our friends up north in Canada, and that plays right into today's guest. Who's with us today, John? Thanks, David. I'm, I'm really pleased to welcome onto Drivers the Chief Executive Officer of the Canadian National Golf Course Owners Association and a, a longtime industry friend, Jeff Calderwood. Jeff, thanks so much for being with us here today on Drivers. Nice to be joining you, and it's the start of our golf season in most parts of Canada, so it's a timely moment. I'm looking out the window, it's sun shining, and everyone's in the right mood to talk about golf. Excellent. You know, I've, I've always marveled at the, the beauty and challenge that a lot of Canada's great golf facilities afford. Maybe we could start, Jeff, by sharing with our listeners some background on the breadth of, of, of what the inventory of golf facilities is and uh, participation in Canada. Yeah, sure. I think um, for those that, that don't know, maybe outside of Canada, um, possibly punch a little above our weight. It, it's a pretty avid golf market. So we've got 2,200 approximately golf courses coast to coast on a per capita basis. That's pretty high. It's a population of 37 million, right? And uh, I saw a calculation the other day, it would equate to 20,000 U.S. courses. And I know you talk a lot down there about supply and demand and sometimes uh, oversaturated with so many courses. Uh, however, it's a reflection here in Canada of uh, just how popular the sport is. Um, it's the most played sport in the country. People think it's hockey. They're almost tied. Golf's just a little ahead, largely because the female side chooses golf much more than hockey. Uh, and golf's participate or Canada's golf participation rate is the highest of any country in the world. So there's a lot of courses to serve that. There's a heavy infrastructure to serve it more than you would think uh, for a country with snow for uh, you know five months of the year, four months of the year, different parts of the country. Of those 2,200, 91% of them are open to uh, the public. Again, as a point of differentiation from the American market, um, I think it helps us get to that number one participation rate because that's a that's a smaller segment of private member-only clubs. Um, so it's a very accessible sport. Um, I think another part of that success is we have a higher proportion of nine-hole courses in Canada than the US has. It's uh, roughly 34% of our courses. That helps balance out that supply demand thing I started with, but it also is great for engaging, growing the game uh, solutions to uh, busy lifestyles these days, you know, time commitments, uh, sometimes cost commitments. And the nine hole segment is a fast growing part of the, um, the future of our industry around the world and Canada is well represented there. So it's a pretty good infrastructure of, uh, of a golf industry. And then we operate at the National Golf Course Owners Association on the business side of all that. And, the, you know, sort of the financial dynamics behind the scenes, economic impact, all that is uh, considerably more robust than you, you might expect for, you know, a, a relatively small country. So I say we punch above our weight a little bit. It's great for tourism, by the way, too, just before I leave that point. Uh, everything's on sale in Canada for an American. There's my invitation. Uh, it'll cost you 30 or 35 percent less than a Canadian pays just due to the exchange rate on the uh, the two dollars so we've got lots to choose from from coast to coast and uh, great value 
Yeah, no, it's 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 it, it is amazing at, at how much you do with with the relative size of the country and uh, certainly a very diverse market. Certainly, you know, with 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 particularly you mentioned the proliferation of nine hole courses, which is something that you know we've been seeing in a lot of our research is really catering to kind of a transformation of how people consume the sport. Share with our, our listeners, if you would, um, just the role that the association plays and, and how it integrates with other administrative bodies throughout North America. Because uh, as you said, I like that punching above your weight. You, you guys certainly get a lot done. Yeah. Um, our membership in the National Golf Course Owners Association here in Canada represents the vast majority of the courses. And it, it uh, isn't just the number of courses, but Roughly 80% of the rounds played, 80% of the revenues generated uh, through our membership. So by definition, we've got a, a big job. Uh, what we do to support those golf courses on the business end is uh, I break it into six quick categories. And inside each category, there's a series of services, but in no particular order. Marketing, just what can we do to drive more business to their door? And we've got programs like uh, well, we endorse the first tee in Canada, which is run by Golf Canada, and we support that, endorse it, uh, our own program, Take a Kid to the Course. We've got uh, one-third of all the courses in the country participating in a free golf for kids program we run every July. Um, another marketing example, we're introducing a Welcome to Golf program this year for the first time, an, an adult program to uh, to break down any of those perceived barriers to welcome them into the game comfortably. So there's marketing. That's on the revenue side. On the expense side, we do a lot of group purchasing, a very big, highly developed, uh, most developed um, group purchasing program in the world for golf. And uh, that supports the expense side for these operators um, with national account pricing, volume discounts, and so on. And we also then spin that into a lot of sponsorship from those participating suppliers. So that helps drive our business to serve the golf courses. A uh, third one I'd mention would be research. Um, I know that's kind of near and dear to, to your heart. Uh, we do the rounds played reports monthly. We do the weather impact reports monthly. We do the revenue reports monthly. We do a lot of operational benchmarking beyond those ones. Uh, economic impact studies we lead. Uh, we do an annual pulse report. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that a little later, uh, sort of uh, state of the industry stuff. So a lot of research. Uh, we do a lot of professional development, education, knowledge, that sort of thing. That's conferences with speakers and webinars and regional meetings and uh, things of that nature. Uh, we do a lot of government advocacy and not just government, but government relations is the biggest part of our advocacy. We've had some very big wins there. And similar to the U.S., the golf industry is facing a lot of uh, dynamics with government that have to be managed. If that's the fifth one, the sixth one I would throw in is networking. We run about 40 events, industry events throughout the year, from big national conferences to smaller regional golf outings. And we just get them all together, so, some key suppliers and all the golf course operator management teams. And uh, that's a big part of you know, that peer-to-peer -peer stuff that, that we deliver. So in a nutshell, that's what it is. And um, a few new things that we're adding more focus to just for an immediate snapshot on top of uh, a lot of the traditional stuff that I've summarized there, a focus on labor. We're concerned about the future labor pool, although the seasonal hiring has really improved this year over last year. It's that career stuff. We want to propel a little bit a better promotion of why careers in golf is valuable. And I think we've undersold ourselves and it's time to catch up. I think environmental, uh, we've got some new strategies coming online this year. And I mentioned research. We want to really ramp up our research department because there's a bit of a gap, probably more so in Canada than anywhere, but I think a bit of a gap in golf generally and uh, 
adequate research for the scale of the industry that we all run. Jeff, after reviewing your bio, it's pretty clear that you bring a very impressive career arc and set of perspectives to your role. I wonder if you could briefly review your background and how this has translated so nicely into your present position, especially over the past few years in response to the pandemic and the big changes that we've seen in the golf industry and golf uh, as a sport. Uh, fair enough. Um, roughly 10 years before I got into uh, the National Golf Course Owners Association of work in uh, radio and ad agency and the soft drink industry of all things. And um, I had some clients at that ad agency that were in the golf business and they invited me to actually become uh, what you describe as a founder of this National Golf Course Owners Association. So I've had the rather unique opportunity to create from scratch everything that I summarized for you a moment ago. And uh, it, it's a true bootstrapping thing because it's a not-for-profit association. It's not the same as other business that I that I had ability in prior to this. Uh, you can't really go to the bank and uh, with a business plan to borrow a lot of money to create this great thing. You have to turn one dollar into two, into four, into ten, into one million, into five million, without uh, it's just constantly feeding itself. So I've enjoyed that challenge. It's been very rewarding, and uh, it's given me a chance to. Uh, gain a lot of experience in a lot of areas. I am the publisher of Golf Business Canada magazine, which we created in 1997, and, and it uh, went on to win Best Magazine of uh, the entire association market in Canada um, to launch a conference, to run that purchasing program that I mentioned, um, to create the staff team, to create the whole strategic plan for this organization. How can we serve the golf industry effectively? So, um, it, it's been quite rewarding for me personally, and more importantly, I, I think the success, having gone from ground zero as a founder to everything that we deliver as an industry leader, truly quite a leader in the Canadian golf industry, um, you know, is valuable to the golf course operators on our membership and the industry at large. So uh, it keeps us hopping and it's all, uh, you know, a pretty good success story that uh, I think we're all proud of up here. It's again. I marvel at how much you you accomplish, and 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 obviously, as, as as we've alluded to throughout the conversation today, there are so many important strategic issues right now that have evolved and are driving the golf business in both the short and long term. Um, we've worked with governing bodies like yours, and in, in, in hoping to to understand and identify them, and in particular, a couple that that you reference and that we certainly are mindful of is is finding that proper balance between managing labor costs of operating a golf facility and putting in place fee structures that optimize profitability without pricing people out. How prevalent is this in Canada and, and, and what, you know, how are you looking at the, that issue in particular and, and other strategic issues that have, that have kind of surfaced to the top? Well, it's similar, I guess, in Canada, that's the first part of the answer. Um, our labor costs have gone way up. Um, there's a similar to the U S a very, uh, uh, low unemployment rate right now. Uh, I think COVID has driven a shift in attitudes that's made it more difficult to hire and therefore you have to pay more. Uh, the demographic shifting of, uh, you know, baby boomers somewhat retiring at, at one part of it and coming in behind them a, a different sort of culture and a bit more demanding. Um, our minimum wages, you know, so you face it in the States as well, probably even more so here has pushed up at all. So, the fundamentals of labor cost uh, are, are every bit as real, at least as real as in the States, and then the inflation on everything else. So how do you relate that back to the price? 
Um, it's a it's a bit of a hot potato. I think uh, the good news is that demand for golf is so high. I mean, our rounds played went up um, more than most countries uh, through COVID. We're well above 30% up. Uh, we've given some of that back, which is happening in every country's golf industry, but we're still up more than 21% what we were pre-COVID. And that demand, and of course, we were locked down more than you guys were in the States, which which drove our demand for, we were unique for more period of time than you were. It was the only place you could go to have a beer for a long time, was out on a golf course while you're playing with your buddies. Everything was just locked down so much tighter here in Canada. So it drove those, the demand up so high and we're living nicely through that. It allows the demand then to relate to the price because we're in that yield management dynamic pricing market. And at this time, the the average rates and uh, across the board are keeping up with those inflation things reasonably well. The conversation starter that I think you're planning with that question is that dichotomy of, hey, don't, be careful not to be perceived as gouging or overdoing it or cannibalizing your future by alienating some people today with price uh, on one side. And the opposite side of the dichotomy is just uh, the golf industry deserves to charge what it is worth. And uh, I lean a bit more on that side, probably disagree a little bit with a lot of researchers out there, quite honestly, maybe yourselves, I'm not sure. I lean a bit more on that side, that golf, uh, here in Canada, at least for at least a dozen years prior to the pandemic, was undercharging. I couldn't because the supply demand thing was a little out of whack, couldn't keep up. The costs were going through the roof, even before there are recent inflationary stuff. Uh, so I think we're back to what it ought to be as opposed to overcharging. At least we're in that range. Um, and I think it's not about price. It's about the perceived value. And I don't think we've done a good enough job as an industry of marketing that total experience and the value and how it compares to alternatives. Um, it, you can compare it to sporting events. So you go rent a car for a day, a $30,000 car. It's basically the same price as a green fee in Canada for a $10 million golf course. You know, that that kind of thing. Um, uh, so I, I think we need to market it a little bit better, but we do have to be careful. If you if you push it too far, um, it'll come back to haunt us, and it's a tricky little balancing act. Absolutely, one of the one of the issues that we'll continue to look at. Jeff, I, I wish we had another forty minutes to talk because I know there's so many other things that we you know haven't even scratched the surface on. But thank you so much for being with us today and and, and giving our listeners a, a nice overview of the golf market up in Canada. And uh, thank you all for listening to drivers. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.